As a new college student, Barbara Rainey attended a campus ministry Bible study. But when the leader had everyone share, she found they were using terms she didn't quite understand. He asked everyone in the room to go around and tell just very briefly their testimony. And he started with Pam, who was sitting next to me, and he went away from me around the circle so that I was last. Well, I started listening to these kids talking about knowing Christ, and I started getting so nervous because I had no idea what I... First of all, he said testimony, and I'm going, what does that mean? (laughs) And then I started listening to them, and I'm going, what am I going to say? I have no idea what to say. I mean, I just got more and more panicked and more and more anxious. Today, we'll hear what happened when it came to Barbara's turn and how the Spirit of God was already at work in her life. Welcome to Ever Thine Home with Barbara Rainey, a podcast dedicated to helping you experience God in your home. Thanks for listening. Have you ever wondered why people write biographies? There's a whole genre of literature dedicated to letting readers know the details of other people's lives. One reason a good biography is so helpful is because we're fascinated by the choices others make. We identify with that person's life and we ask ourselves what we would do in that situation. And we learn lessons we can apply to our own lives. Here on the Ever Thine Home podcast, we're going to take a closer look at some of the early seasons in the life of Barbara Rainey. Think of it as an audio version of a loose sort of autobiography. I hope you'll find lots of encouragement along the way. To help walk us through this, Barbara's husband, Dennis Rainey, joined us in the studio. He started by challenging all of us to think about what drives us. Well, a lot of men have leaned their ladders against the wall of a career, and it took them a few decades to figure out they'd put their ladder against the wrong wall. And unfortunately, a lot of women have followed suit and in the process have uh, have really rejected God's design and frankly need to realize that without calibrating your life around God and a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, how can you be successful? You're not going to be successful without God. If you leave God out and you pursue a career, whether male or female, and you seek fulfillment uh, through the drumbeat of the culture and the world, which they'll tell you, sacrifice your, your marriage, your family, your faith, Uh, all that to achieve stardom in your work and to get the cash benefits of the reward, which are real and uh, substantial, then if you're not careful, you're going to avoid the main issue of your soul. And we are made in the image of God. In the words of Jesus, what does it profit a man, and we might add, or a woman, if he or she gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself or herself? Well, in looking at Barbara's early years today, we want to help younger women think through their lives carefully and make choices that are best for the long haul. I think uh, young women today need to hear from women who are a couple of laps ahead of them in the seasons of life. And uh, I'm pleased to introduce you to one, my wife, Barbara. And uh, last night I was interviewing a young lady who uh, is going to go to work for Barbara and um, I told her as one of the benefits of her job, I said, I just want to tell you something. You get a chance to work with and for a truly quality woman. And 
I didn't intend to get emotional about it, but I looked at her and it kind of, just for a second, kind of, we kind of reflected on it later on I last night it. at, at home. <laughs> and it was like, but, you know, truthfully, these are days when if you're a young lady, you need to be relating to a woman who, who's got her priorities right, who's figured it out, not perfectly, but who's hammering out life according to God's design. And if you're a parent, uh, you want these kind of experiences for your daughters as they grow up as well. I think most parents want to see their sons and daughters begin to think outwardly, to have a vision for how they can reach out and make a difference in the lives of others. Barbara said that for her, that started happening in her preteen years. It was probably around my 11th or 12th birthday. The church that we belonged to that I grew up in had a confirmation class for kids when they were about 12, 7th grade, somewhere in there. And I went through the confirmation class and most of it just went right over my head. But interestingly, there there is something about the Spirit of God when He has a call on your life. And I just sensed through that class that God had something for me in my life. I could have never expressed it in words at the time, but I just sensed that there was something really deep and meaningful about this God I was learning about in the confirmation class. And I remember after that, not all the time, but occasionally through the next few years that followed, I remember praying that God would lead me to the right person to marry, the right thing to do with my life. And at the time, I don't think I really knew God, but I was aware of Him, and I believed that He existed, and I knew that He was real, and I wanted what He had. And I, I couldn't have told you what any of this was about, because I really didn't know God. I didn't know the Bible. We didn't read the Bible in my home growing up. We didn't even pray before meals. But everyone believed in God. And of course, I came to find out later on that there was a lot more to it than just believing he existed. But nonetheless, I do believe that because I had this sense of God, the reality of God, and I had this sense of who he was, I look back on it now and I'm confident that God was orchestrating my life and he was leading me in certain ways. For instance, one of the things that was most painful to me in my junior high and high school years was that I was not in the popular crowd and I desperately wanted to be in the popular crowd. I wanted to be liked, I wanted to be appreciated, I wanted people to want to be with me and I always was on the outside and never could crack that group. And it was so fascinating about 20 years later. I remember thinking about that one day and just kind of wondering about it. And all of a sudden I thought, I think God kept me out of that group. Had I been in that group, who knows what I would have gotten into? Who knows what I would have been tempted to do? And and just looking back on it, it was I was so grateful to God that he kept me from what I wanted. What I wanted probably would have led me down a lot of bad paths because it was the late 60s and some of those kids that I admired could have been doing drugs. I have no idea what they were doing. But because I wasn't a part of that crowd, I was spared from some of that. And I'm grateful that God gave me the hardship of being lonely and feeling rejected and feeling isolated and unwanted because it was a, a gift for me. During her high school years, Barbara's hopes and plans for the future were just kind of vague ideas. I mean, I thought about getting married someday and having a family because that was sort of the 
the default mode for all women in that generation. And I wanted to do that and that was fine, but I didn't really dream of much. Now, I did hope to go to interior design school, and I tried that road, and that door got slammed in my face. But if you had sat down at the table and talked to me about God, I would have listened. I was one of those kids who would have responded if someone had explained to me what this was all about. I just didn't know how to find it. I think what Barbara's pointing out is that uh, there's more going on in our children's lives and in young people that they relate to than we realize. Sometimes I think we're a little bashful, uh, reticent as parents to engage in these discussions because we we conclude that silence would uh, denote a lack of interest. But here she's describing that God was at work in her heart and she would have listened if people would have talked to her. And I think, I think parents, this is where they need to be intentional purposeful and engaging in conversations and again not using it as a soapbox to preach all the time but using questions to ask them what they're thinking about in this culture the world does have a plan for our kids and it is promoting that plan around career around self-fulfillment and around a life without god it's not going to introduce your child to a purposeful meaningful life as designed by the Lord God Almighty. And it's why we as parents, grandparents, need to be purposeful, intentional about engaging our kids in meaningful conversations. All, not all the time again, but but uh, just keep stepping in there, keep asking, regardless of whether they show interest or not. And uh, just continuing the process uh, around spiritual matters. It's our responsibility as parents. And it would have been a great question for me to have thought about. And had I had someone asked me that, I would have gone home and thought about that long and hard, even if I didn't answer um, at the time, but I would have thought about it. And, and I think a parent needs to realize that it's okay if your child is dreaming about becoming a movie producer, an artist, uh, perhaps some kind of endeavor that does involve a career, God has, has got a purpose and a plan for every child's life. And the point is, is to engage your child and just make sure they're getting their marching orders from God. And don't be afraid to ask them if they've ever thought about marriage and having a family. You might be surprised at the conversation that follows. So after high school, Barbara attended the University of Arkansas. She explained how an Indiana girl ended up going there. Well, my mother was born and raised in the state of Arkansas, and my grandparents lived here. And I had this sense when I was a senior in high school that I needed to go somewhere that none of my friends were going. And most of my friends were going to IU and Purdue and Butler and all these in-state Indiana schools. And I applied and I was accepted to those schools, but I just had this sense that I needed to go somewhere else and kind of start all over. Because if I roomed with those same girls that I had gone to school with, they would see me the same way, they would expect the same things of me. And I knew in my heart that I couldn't kind of break out of my shell. And it wasn't that I had this terrible past I was running away from. I mean, I've made mistakes and I did stupid things, but I had this sense that there was more to who I was than what I had experienced previously. And I wanted to figure out who I was and I wanted a chance to start over. It's the best way to put it. I thought if I went to the University of Arkansas, even though it was a really long way from home, I was only a couple of hours away from my grandparents. So if I wanted some home cooking and some family, I could 
go to Little Rock for the weekend. I met a girl my freshman year, ended up walking to class with her across this open space on campus. And there was something about her that just was different. And I did not know what it was, but I really liked her a lot. And then at the beginning of our sophomore year, I ran into her again and she invited me to go to a Bible study. And I was very intrigued. I thought, well, that's kind of cool. I've never been to a Bible study. I'd like to go to a Bible study. I don't know what it's about, but sure, I'll go. So she took me, we went the next night and showed up and the Bible study was a pretty small group, maybe a dozen people, guys and girls. And we sat in a circle and the leader of the study put a tape in a tape player. That's really dating us, but he put a tape in a tape player, punched the button and played this message on a tape. It was about prayer. And I was totally engaged with that and never heard any kind of teaching like that. And then at the end of the tape, he turned it off, of course, and then he asked, because it was the kickoff meeting for the year, and there were other students there who were new besides me. And so he asked everyone in the room to go around and uh, tell just very briefly their testimony. And he started with Pam, who was sitting next to me, and he went away from me around the circle so that I was last. Well, I started listening to these kids talking about knowing Christ, and I started getting so nervous because I had no idea what it... First of all, he said testimony, and I'm going, what does that mean? (laughs) And then I started listening to them, and I'm going, what am I going to say? I have no idea what to say. I mean, I just got more and more panicked and more and more anxious. So when it got to me, I said, well, um, something to the effect of, well, I've always been a Christian, and I've always gone to church, and I've always believed in God, or something very shallow. (laughs) And of course, immediately those who knew Christ knew that I didn't know Christ. (laughs) And they closed in prayer and did whatever. And as we got up and had refreshments, this man's wife came over to me and said, could I talk to you for a minute? And I said, sure. And she, she shared with me how I could know Christ personally. And I, I mean, it was exactly what I'd been looking for all my life. And I said, I would absolutely love to do that. And she said, would would you like to pray right now? And I said, no. (laughs) I was not going to pray in a room full of people because I'd never heard people pray out loud except the pastor from the pulpit. And the idea of me praying in front of a bunch of people just unnerved me. So I said, can I just take the little book home and do it on my own? And she said, yes. So I did. (laughs) Barbara went back to her dorm and read through that booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws, produced by an organization then known as Campus Crusade for Christ. I got home and read through the whole thing again because I wanted to make sure I was doing this right. You know, I wanted to do it right. After her prayer, she didn't hear angelic choirs or even feel different. And I was kind of disappointed because I thought, oh, I thought something was supposed to happen. But I knew I'd done it. And, um, you know, within days, I started sensing things that were different, seeing things that were different. I remember Dennis talking about when he was a student, how he would walk across campus and he'd notice the leaves falling from the tree and say, wow, God did that, you know. And it was that kind of a thing where all of a sudden I was aware of God at work and Um, I was seeing things from a spiritual perspective, and I hadn't before. It's more than going from black and white to technicolor. I mean, it's, it's like you move to a whole new level of seeing where you identify with the blind man who met Jesus. Once I was blind, but now I see. And all of a sudden, your eyes can see life as God designed it, both for you to live life and have your life honor Him, but also, ultimately, 
how the God of the universe can take you as a woman or as a man and begin to use you in other people's lives. Dennis explains that this supernatural granting of spiritual vision is something that can happen in your life too, no matter your age or season of life. Whether male or female, if you miss Christ, you've missed life. It's that simple. You're never going to find life as God designed it if you don't make a personal commitment to Jesus Christ as your Lord, your Master, and your Savior, as one who died on the cross for your sins to make you right before God and to be your mediator to God and to bring you into a right relationship with Him. And that's what happened to Barbara. She made a commitment to Christ. She didn't even really understand all that much of what she was doing But God takes us where we are in our primitive steps of faith and our lack of knowing the right words to pray and how to pray it, and he meets with us. And he's right here today with this listener who's listening right now, who's who's identifying with what Barbara's saying, going, you know, I think I went to church and I'm not sure I know God either. And I'd like to have a relationship like that too. Well, you know what? You don't need the four spiritual laws to come into a right relationship with God. You can bow in prayer right now and just say to God, I'm a sinner. I've broken your laws. I'm in need of a Savior. That's what Easter is all about. Jesus stepped out of eternity, lived a perfect life, was a perfect sacrifice, died for your sins, defeated death, and is alive today. And because he's alive, he can invade your life and bring forgiveness to all the shame And he can give you, back to what we talked about earlier, he can give you purpose and begin to give you a direction for your life. And I I think the question is, is where do you stand with Christ right now? Male or female, religious or not religious, do you know him? And if you don't, don't let your head hit the pillow tonight without settling up with the Lord God of the universe. It is the greatest decision you'll ever make for the rest of your life. Placing your entire trust in Jesus Christ truly is the beginning of a completely new life. That's what Dennis and Barbara Rainey have been talking about today. If you're just understanding this for the first time, that's really exciting. Would you let Barbara know by heading over to everthinehome.com and clicking on the contact tab? You can leave a short message there. And be sure to get plugged into a Christ-centered church where you can grow spiritually. Again, the website is everthinehome.com. Click or tap where you see the word contact. And while you're there, you might check out the shield plaque in our store. It's a great way to express your faith in God. Here's Barbara to explain a little more about it. One of the things that I'm excited about that we have created is a plaque in the shape of a shield. And on the plaque are written the words, the Lord is my strength and my shield. It makes a great front door decoration or piece. Um, I tied a burlap ribbon on mine and hung it on our front door and it works great. And so, you know, when you think, gosh, what could I put on my front door that would be welcoming and friendly and warm? You can put this shield on your door and it, it sends a message to those who might come to visit, but it reminds you every time you come and go that the Lord is your strength and shield. And, yeah. and from a biblical perspective, uh, Deuteronomy 6 talks about parents hanging the commands of God on their their doorposts and their gates as a reminder 
of what uh, they're to do as adults and train their children to do as they grow up. Whether you hang it on your front door or somewhere inside your house, this is a great way to let others know where your strength and protection come from. And for a limited time, you can get it for 50% off the regular price. You'll find it in our store at everthinehome.com. Thanks for listening today. We'll have more details from the early years of Barbara's life in upcoming episodes of Everthine Home with Barbara Rainey.